You are listening to a History Hub podcast. History Hub is based at the University College Dublin School of History. For more information and to access hundreds of podcasts, go to historyhub.ie. This podcast series features UCD graduate Sean Murray discussing the development of children's comics after the Second World War, with a particular focus on boys' adventure comics from the 1950s and 60s. This is the first of three episodes, entitled Boys' Adventure Comics in 1950s Britain. Uh, This podcast series will examine the development of children's comics in Britain after the Second World War with a particular emphasis on boys' adventure comics. We look at the manner in which comic books provided entertainment for an extraordinary number of people and at how they helped shape national myths in Britain. It is difficult today to comprehend the scale of comic sales at that time. Sales of comics in Britain in 1950 were staggering and amounted to over 500 million copies a year, or nearly 10 million a week. Given that the population of 5 to 16-year-olds in Britain at that time was just over 7 million, split roughly half and half between boys and girls, it seems nearly every child was reading at least one comic a week, and most were reading more than one. Comics were widely swapped and traded between children, so that readership was much higher. Perhaps as many as eight children would read a single comic. They provided cheap and easily accessible escapism for children. A cover price of three pence, about 50 cents in today's money, made them very accessible, particularly when they were passed around between children on a regular basis. Boys' adventure comics were one of the most important and influential genres in the comics market between 1950 and 1965 and had a major impact on their main demographic, namely boys aged 12 to 16. These types of comics sold around 150 million copies in 1950, amounting to about a third of all comic sales. The principal publisher of boys' adventure comics at the time was the DC Thompson & Company Group. DC Thompson & Company were, and indeed still are, a major family-owned publishing company based in Dundee in Scotland. They emerged in the comics market in the early 1920s and rapidly gained market leadership. Their so-called Big Five adventure comics had dominated the boys' adventure comics market before World War II. They were considered technically superior to other publishers in terms of their printing and presentation and some have commented that they were producing some of the most interesting examples of juvenile fiction at that time. By 1950, Thompson's four boys' adventure titles, namely Adventure, Rover, Wizard and Hotspur, were selling 80 million copies a year, which was about 16% of the total comics market. With their dominant themes of adventure in an exclusively male setting, these comics were created for a primarily male audience, although they undoubtedly had a wider readership and were certainly read by boys of all ages, as well as girls and even adults. Advertisements within the comics clearly demonstrate who the comics were targeted at. Job advertisements, particularly for the British Armed Services, were aimed very specifically at boys aged between 14 and a half and 16 years and 8 months. These ads appeared in all comics from 1950 on. There were also ads for apprenticeships in the mines, which were featured in both Rover and Wizard. And somewhat surprisingly and intriguingly, an ad from the Australian Immigration Bureau encouraging emigration to Australia appeared in Victor in January 1962. As for bodybuilding also appeared during this time, for example in Adventure in August 1950 and in Victor in January 1962, which suggests that older age groups were being reached. Other general ads aimed at an older readership were featured. Alongside ads for stamp collecting, breakfast cereals and confectionery, There were also ads for bikes, shirts, boiler suits, watches, 
hens, and even an ad for an air rifle on one occasion. All these were targeted at an older demographic, with more disposable income than that of younger children. An age group in the 1950s that had left school earlier than would be the case today to join the workforce. 1950 was a seminal year for boys' adventure comics. That year, the first serious competitor to the Thompson titles appeared with the launch of Eagle by the small publisher Halton Press. Described by one commentator as the first important comic of the post-war period, Eagle sold a million copies in its first week, subsequently settling at sales of around a half a million a week, or 26 million copies a year. However, its true significance lay in its visual innovation. It described itself as the new national strip cartoon weekly. Taking its cue from American comics, it was the first all-pictures comic to be pitched at older boys, an innovation which would ultimately change the entire comics market in Britain. Eagle's focus on imagery set them apart from the Thompson titles. At that time, Thompson comics were text-heavy, with little use of colour and minimal visual impact apart from their front covers. Typically, an issue of these comics carried up to 30,000 words, which was a huge, really, weekly reading commitment for boys of that age. While today, the 1950s are described by collectors as a golden age for British comics, the first half of the decade actually saw a sharp decrease in sales. Many of Thompson's competitors in 1950, such as The Champion, Comet and Son, ceased publication during the decade, the most likely cause of the decline was the growth in television ownership. The number of TV licences in England and Wales grew from 344,000 in 1950 to 11.3 million in 1961. Competition from other sources of media, such as cinema, would also have impacted sales. At the end of the decade, then, Thompson's began a significant restructuring of their titles to address their falling sales. The appearance and the look and feel of the Thompson comics had changed very little since 1950. They remained text-heavy, and as a result of increased page numbers, their word count was often nearer 40,000 per issue than the 30,000 I mentioned earlier. During that time, new competing titles such as Lion and Tiger had emerged, which emulated Eagle's all-picture format and were part of the market shift towards the use of pictures. These market changes during the 1950s provided the impetus for a new style of comic that allowed the medium to discover a form and style that helped it endure and thrive in the longer term. Picture comics were now the only game in town and in the response to the market changes and their declining sales, Thompson's in 1959 relaunched Hotspur in an all-picture story format. This change helped to boost the sales of Hotspur by over 40% by 1965. Adventure and Wizard were merged with Rover, which retained its all-text format and by 1965 was Thompson's only all-text title. These mergers did not stop the sales decline of this now outdated all-text format and by 1965 the merged titles were selling only 23% of what they had sold in 1960. In 1961, Thompson's launched two new titles. Victor was an all-picture story comic which was quickly selling 21 million copies a year, while Commando was a novel, pocket-sized, all-picture comic with a 64-page format featuring one single story devoted exclusively to war. Commando, by the way, is the only one of these titles still on sale today and still with the exact same format as when it was launched in 1961. 
1953, the Hornet, also in an all-picture story format, was introduced and achieved sales of 11 million in its first year. The overall impact was successful for Thompson's, with sales recovering by over 20% to a steady 50 million plus copies a year by the mid-1960s. The all-text rover was to limp on until 1973 when it was incorporated into a revived wizard in an all-picture format. The evolution of comics from a text-heavy to an all-picture format, started by Eagle in 1950, was now complete. Comics, like all mass media, reflected the ideologies of their time and helped to produce and promote ideologies, whether supporting the status quo or rejecting it. Comics had always embraced Britain's imperial wars, whether in India, South Africa or World War I, so it was natural that when society gave permission for World War II to be the subject of fiction, that this theme would be embraced by the comics. And they embraced them with gusto, and in doing so made a significant contribution to how Britain continues to see the Second World War today. It is this relationship between comics and World War II that I will return to in my second podcast. Thanks for listening to this History Hub podcast. To hear the next installment on Sean Murray's series on the Boys' Adventure Comics and World War II, visit historyhub.ie. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other podcasting apps, such as Podcast Republic. Please rate and review our channel as it helps others to find out about our work.